For those of you who do not know me, my name is Chris. I have the amazing privilege of overseeing the children's ministry and the special needs ministry here at Calvary Philly. Not something that I ever thought I would be doing. I'm a nurse by profession. Uh, but I was called out of that field and into this one. Um, just part of God's good plan for me. So here I am with you guys, and I'm honored to be here. Uh, I have been given the topic of family devos. I changed it to family worship because I think that more so encapsulate what's, encapsulates what we're actually doing and talking about. It's not, we are going to focus on the actual set-aside time of what people call family devos or family worship, um, but it really is, as, as Pastor Joe was talking about, just needs to be part of the fabric of our lives and the air that we breathe and our everyday conversations and things like that. So hopefully that you find this helpful uh, and you can take whatever's good and useful and throw out the rest and... Uh, and pray that the Lord uses it in some good thing in your life. Uh, now, I am the benefactor of um, a lot of other families who have done this long before I ever did. I am a father of a four-year-old boy, Christopher. Bruce is two, and Jeremiah is ten months, so that's my squad. Um, so, long history of parenting and a lot of experience to offer you guys. Um, but I actually value, you know, your input as well. I am the receptor of this. My mom and dad love the Lord, grew up going to church. They, they exampled these things for me as well, going over other families' houses, seeing what they have done, talking to the guys on staff, just a lot of wisdom that I've received from others that I pray is beneficial to you as it is, has been for me. So I'm, I'm no, by no means like the family Devo guy, the expert in the area, I have a degree, I don't. Um, I, I'm just, I have a heart for it, and I think the Lord has laid things out pretty clearly for us in Scripture uh, that He calls us all to do, uh, even though that's going to look a little different for all of us. So, family worship. I'll try to follow my slides as best I can here. <clears throat> family worship. What is it? Well, what I mean by family worship, there's a lot of running definitions that we could go off of, uh, but family worship for us this morning, uh, or yes, still morning, is a regular dedicated time to gather as a family to worship God, to worship God. And there's different elements of this. We are worshipers. That, that is how we are to identify. And so uh, as such, we should be people who give our time to uh, family worship in the home, in the home. So uh, <clears throat> that, that is what we're going off of. It's a lot of things, but we're specifically today looking at that dedicated space and time where we say, all right, we're going to worship the Lord together now, kids. Um, by the way, uh, what is represented here? How, how many have kids under the age of 10? Under the age of 10 in here, okay? And how many have above 10? Above 10 as well. Gotcha. So a big, a big mix. It's not just young, not just old, a whole mix. So this is going to look very different for you than it does for me, but it's all things we can glean, wisdom we can glean. Um, family worship, why do it? Why do family worship? Well, first of all, because it's biblical. <laughs> Um, there's no verse that you could open up to and it says, and you will engage in daily family worship and this is what it will look like. That doesn't happen. But there is a pattern given to us in Scripture, we believe. Uh, and, and it's clearly laid out again and again and again. Pastor Joe talked about some of those things. I'll bring up Deuteronomy again. And it says, Moses says, these words that I command you today will be on your heart and teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise. Again, it's just part of the makeup of your home. It's part of what's talked about. It's part of what you do. And family worship, what I'm talking about, is, is when we intentionally give ourselves to diligently teaching our kids. We're setting aside this time and letting God, uh, giving God room to speak to us. Ephesians 6, 
This is not just an Old Testament thing. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Other translations say the training and admonition of the Lord. And so one of the ways that we seek to bring them up is by having these spaces of family worship, these times where we give ourselves to these things. Still training. Uh, famous parenting verses. Train up a child in the way that he should go, or she, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The things that you do in these times of family worship will not return void. Now, I'm one of seven kids. My parents did this faithfully in our lives, especially my dad. And I have siblings who aren't walking with the Lord. But they know the truth. God's word doesn't return void. If they're living in rebellion, it's not for, for not having known what the truth is. Uh, or having it exampled to their hearts, it's, it's a thing that they have chosen. And so train them up in a way that he, they should go. I, I think of Abraham Lincoln who said of his mother, her prayers pursued me all of my life. <laughs> she, she could not escape the prayers of his mom, um, just how she would pour her heart out to the Lord uh, during their time of family worship. So, the whys. <clears throat> Why do family worship? That, that's kind of the biblical grounding for it, and we could go to lots of different places. We could go to Abraham, we could go to Moses, we could go to Paul, we could go to him talking to Timothy about his grandmother and his mother raising him. It's all over Scripture. We could go to Peter. Um, but that, there's just a few, and I have given you at the back of your packet additional Scriptures to consider that kind of really lay out the biblical grounding, and that is by no means exhaustive at all because it's just saturated everywhere in the Bible. Um, but it's some things to look at. So it's biblical. You should do it because God tells you to, not because Chris tells you to. Um, it brings the family together. What do we gather around? TV, uh, the Super Bowl, different games, parties. One of the things that we should gather around is God's Word. Warm, warm our hearts with the glow of God's Word, right? Just get that uh, picture of like gathering around the hearth once everything is dark out. You think of the old family without electricity gathering around the fire at night and, and just... They're together, and that should be what we do for our families with the Word of God in worship. Gather around who the center is of our home, God, and what He has for us. It promotes spiritual health and growth, growing the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Uh, this is not just for you and I to do. This is not just personal Devo time. This is part of our devotion. I am passing the baton. I am giving to the next generation what God has filled my own heart with in the way that He has le- led me. You, When you Give yourself to times of family worship. You are opening up spaces of time where God can work on your kids' hearts that they might not otherwise have because you are opening up his word, taking time to talk to him in prayer and worship him in song. So it promotes spiritual health and growth. One man sows, another man waters. It's God who gives the increase. It's not on you as a parent to save your child. We give ourselves all kind of crazy pressures. No, all you have to do is introduce them to God. Introduce them to their creator, their maker. Introduce them to Jesus. Show them God's heart for them and let him do the work. But you have to open up the space for him to do that. And that that happens during time of family worship. Opens up some pretty cool doors for evangelization. You have people over the house. If this is part of the the way of life in your house, the expectation of your kids. Um, My son, Bruce, he's two. I have the Bible that we read at dinner time on a shelf that he can reach, and every, every night before he comes to the table, he's supposed to bring that Bible, put it at Dad's spot. They know that at some point during the mealtime, Dad's going to open it up, and we're going to hear what God has to say to us. Uh, and if somebody comes over, guess what? They're hearing the Bible that night during mealtime. And guess what? If they're still there after dinner, they're invited up for bedtime too. 
where we'll sing God's word and they'll take part of the bedtime routine, pray together, sing a song. <clears throat> and it's a really cool evangelization thing. If, if somebody comes over and they are like totally not saved, <laughs> a neighbor comes over, kids are over, unsaved families over, and an, an, an encouragement to anyone who comes over and totally loves the Lord. They're like, wow, here's a family that loves God. I, I totally noticed they make God a priority in their home. Man, I tell you, you can tell how families identify pretty quickly once you go into their house. Oh, this is an Eagles family, for sure. This is definitely, oh, Philadelphians live here, yes. Um, or, oh, this, this family is a family of artists. Look at, look at these walls. Or you just see the, the family identity is kind of just everywhere. You, it's, it's in the conversations that take place. It's a part of the atmosphere, and God should be a part of that. Any, any other identity that we have in our home should just be branches of the tree and the trunk and the roots that are centered on God and his word. He should be at the center, and everything else should just flow from that. Uh, and so when we, when we commit to times of family worship, we, we make sure that we don't get disoriented and, and we let God kind of calibrate how we go about things in our home. Um, and that flavors everything else. I am an Eagles fan. I'm not saying don't watch football. <laughs> so it opens up the door to evangelize anyone who's going to be coming in. <clears throat> let me make sure I'm not skipping things. It bears fruit. Just abide. This is what Joe is teaching on Sunday mornings. Abide. One of the ways that we do that is through family worship. It will produce fruit. So what does that look like? What are elements of family worship? Well, uh, let's, let's dig in here. Um, reading God's word has to be one of those elements for sure. Uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Nothing any of us wants more is than for our children to be saved and to know God and to be with us in the kingdom of heaven. We have to give them an opportunity. You're not going to save them. God is. So let them speak to them. Open up God's word and faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. It's going to feel awkward, especially in the, in the early years. And you read things like sanctification and remission of sins and salvation and all these big words that you know are just going, but you're familiarizing them with a biblical vocabulary so that when they do eventually open up their Bibles in their own quiet time in first grade, second grade, third grade, they're reading words that they're already familiar with. They might not know what they mean yet, but they're part of like there's a familiarity there. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God wants to speak to kids. Kids can be saved. My wife is saved at five years old. I wasn't, but she was. And, uh, and I watch kids get saved, and, and the Lord is totally able to take hold of a heart um, that is given over to him, even as a child. Some benefits. 2 Timothy 3. Again, this goes back to Timothy's grandmother and mother. Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. This is, this is an expectation which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is valuable, profitable for this reason, for teaching, doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. It'll totally recalibrate our hearts, give your kids a biblical worldview. All of the things that the Bible is useful and helpful for for us is the same for our kids. It is equipping, even as a child. And they're not all messed up yet. They don't have all the exposure that we've had so far. They're just like young and like wet cement and a sponge and just like ready to be formed and molded by God's Word. So make God's Word one of the things that do that. Yes, my, my kids can sing E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, but they can also sing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible tells me so. And so I let them know, hey, we're going to see what God has for us as we open up his word. Really cool. Uh, 
eventually, if you give yourself to this, it just clicks, you know. Um, for me, I'm in the younger years. And so we sat down to the table the other day. Bruce brought the Bible over. And my four-year-old said, let's see what God has to say to us tonight. And I was like, yes, yes. I actually didn't hear him say it. My wife did. And she said, did you hear what he just said? And I was like, that is, that's what we're praying for. Yeah, God is speaking. When, when God's word is open, God has something to say. Not dad, not mom. God is speaking. And we're going to see what he has to say to us tonight. And so that's not going to return void. And it just needs to be a part of the makeup of our home. So do read God's word. God wants to speak to us. And we're going to say prayer is the next element. Uh, he also wants us to speak to him. But when we open up God's word, we're saying God wants to speak to us tonight. Let's see what he has to say. Uh, the Bible that you use will depend on the age of your kids. Uh, I have various resources on the table behind me. I've been reading to my kids since they were babies. Uh, <laughs> little kids' Bibles, toddler Bibles. Little, they're not even Bibles. They're total just paraphrases of things. But uh, it familiarizes them with the, with the stories of Scripture and with the words of Scripture until you do eventually get to translations of the Bible. So depending on that, the life that you're at, you know, I use the NIRV at dinner times, the New International Reader's Version. It's written at a third-grade reading level. And it's, and it's much easier for my four-year-old to understand than if I were to bust open King James, just lay it on him. And some families do that. Cool, no judgment at all. But this is what works well for us, and the vocabulary that is given in the NIRV is super helpful for me, just as someone who teaches kids and wants to use a vocabulary on their level so that I'm not just, like, shooting it over their heads all the time. Uh, so uh, as they get a little older, New King James, ESV, super helpful. Uh, but as long as you're given God's word, it's not going to return void. But it, we do have to think about the ages of our children. Where do I start if I read the Bible? Well, consider starting with a gospel. We want to introduce our kids to Jesus. Uh, my family just finished going through all four Gospels. We just wrapped up John last week. And uh, really amazing conversations that came from that. And, and just, you know, there's, there's some things that I, I might have skipped, but very rarely. Uh, and you just allow God to use those things. Again, we're, we're introducing our, we're not just growing facts. We're not just drilling our kids with a bunch of facts so that they can little, be little Bible dictionaries and shoot things out and no definitions. We're introducing them to a person, Jesus, whose heart is revealed to us when we open up the Word of God. And so uh, we need to make that exciting and important to them and give God room uh, to, to work. Consider starting with a gospel. Introduce them to Jesus. If not, if your kids are younger, um, elementary or whatever, narrative is always easier. So super easy to go through narrative. What I mean by that is a story. You're doing the story of creation. Abraham, you're doing the story of Joseph. Uh, using narrative as opposed to going through like Romans with your six-year-old or something like that and getting lost in the arguments of Paul on uh, you know, all of these things. So uh, use narrative for younger kids. Use short sections. Don't feel pressured like you have to get through a chapter every night. Uh, sometimes it's just a short section and, uh, and you just go from there. Help your kids engage. Your most powerful tool as a teacher to your kids is your voice and your face. So don't just, don't just read it kind of like, you know, luxury, bored, monotonous as you open up your Bible. Read it in such a way, you know, that you're using some inflection with your voice as you go through and, and making it exciting to them. We just read Genesis chapter 3. And, you know, you have to make the snake out to be all like evil and and twisted, and Satan-y, because he is. And so, and he's also a snake. And so, you know, just, just for example, my, my boys are young. So, the serpent said to the woman, Oh, you will not surely die. And then you draw out your S's. God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. 
and you just kind of go through and they're like, oh, what's, what's happening? <laughs> they're like drawn in. You know, they're supposed to be eating their food and they're just staring at me. What is going on? What is the snake, right? You will not surely die. What do you think is going to happen, boys? Do you think, who's telling the truth? God said yesterday that they would surely die and Satan just said they're not going to die. Who's telling the truth? Who do you think's lying to them? Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie, Dad. Yes, you're right. They know this story because they've learned it from, ba- from being a baby. The sneaky snake in the garden. Yeah. And so he, he lies to them, and, and Satan lies to us. They're going to tempt him. And then I say, and, and as, it's cool as you kind of grow into um, translations, because they're, then they're reading deep. They're hearing details of the story that they've never actually heard before. First Eve took it. What, what'd she do? She ate it. And then she gave to Adam. What do you think he did? He ate it too. He ate it too. And now they're going to die. And now death is going to be into the world. God curses them. But Genesis 3.15, someone's going to come and crush the serpent's head. We like that as boys, crushing heads. Um, and, and there's this amazing promise. God forgives them. He clothes them. You just reveal the heart of God in all this. He didn't just annihilate them right off the bat. Then you have Cain murdering Abel. You know, it just gives you opportunity to walk through all these different things. My, my son, Christopher, has been like uh, stuck on death. Uh, the topic of death recently, for some reason. Am I going to die, Dad? When am I going to die? Are they going to die? Is she going to? Are they dead? And it's just like we're stuck there on the dead thing. Um, and, and it just gives you an opportunity. You just talk about Jesus all the time. You know, uh, my, my son, Chris, as we finished up John, totally broke down in tears as we were reading about the, the crucifixion. Just lost it. He's a sensitive little dude. Super empathetic. Uh, and he's just crying and weeping. I'm like, yeah, but you know what happens next. But it's still sad. I'm like, yes, it is sad. But, but death is sad. But guess what? One day we'll be in heaven. Am I going to be in heaven, Dad? Like, well, you, yeah. And you have these, like, literally got little, literal gospel conversations where, like, he's like, am I going to be there? How do I get to heaven? And you're like, I, well, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. Okay, well, you're going to be there. You know, we have to acknowledge that, especially if our kids are older. We are sharing God's word and discipling kids who aren't saved yet. <laughs> We're still going to open up the Bible and share it with them because that's how they're going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you get experience all these conversations. So we finish the Gospels. We jump down into Genesis. And what's there right in the beginning? Oh, he made the male and female in his own image. God made you boys because that's what he wanted you. That was his good plan for you. My son has said to me, I want to be a girl, Dad. Nope. God didn't make you a girl. And that's a good thing that you're not like Mom. It's good that you're a boy. You're going to be strong, a big helper, protector. You know, we, we honor and treat, treat girls with respect. They're different. But God made you a boy because that's who he wanted you to be. And uh, I don't care what the world has to say about that. Here's what God says. I'm going to build a biblical framework and, and worldview into my child's mind. From what? Not from forcing any conversation, just naturally as we open up the Bible and read through things. Two kinds of people in the world. Boys, girls, you're a boy. That's good, because that's how God made you. God made you. He's the creator of everyone and everything. And so you just have these conversations, and it's really amazing. Just you see the things that come up in Scripture as you read that you might be, like, pressured. You know, the, last summer, my <clears throat> we were at the beach, and a dude totally just set up camp next to us who was dressed in a women's bathing suit. There's a fun conversation with a three-year-old. And how do you have that conversation? Um, how, do you, how do you even talk about these things? Well, we had already done things where God makes us one way, and he knows that sin affects everything, not just your own heart. A lot of people in this world live ways that aren't God's ways, uh, and it's all just reflective of a broken world. We should pray for these people. So God's word gives us opportunity to talk about things that we might tend to shy away from or try to shelter our kids from that just naturally come up as you read his word, right? So we should give ourselves to reading God's word. Um, the second element 
is pray together. That's biblical, right? God has spoken to us. Now let's talk to God. Prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. God speaks to us in his word and we speak to him through prayer. I would, I would encourage you to pray about at least one thing that was suggested to you and your family through the scripture passage you just read. My son, Adam and Eve hid from God. They were afraid. Why do you think they were afraid? Uh, because they disobeyed? Yes, exactly, because they disobeyed. Have you ever wanted to hide from mom and dad when you disobeyed? Yes, you have. You've been disciplined for that. Now you don't do it anymore, or you will. I just don't know about it yet. Um, but you just give them, Lord, help us not to hide things when we do, do something wrong. Help us to come to you, to be, you know, you just, you just pray something along the lines. God, thank you that you created everything, and everything is good. You know, you're just amazing. You take, help them to interact with Scripture through prayer. Um, and, and pray throughout the day. Just make it part of your makeup. I, I praise God just all the time. God, thank you that the sun's coming up. What a beautiful world that you made to go outside. Oh, Lord, thank you for our warm, cozy home. It's so cold outside, isn't it, Chris? Or you just, you know, he's helping me with wood for the wood stove. God, thank you for my strong boy that you've given me to help me out with stuff around the house. And you just make it a part of your conversation throughout the day. There's an open conversation with you and God. And you're, you're saying it out loud and modeling that for your kids. Um, pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Not perfect at it. Not perfect at all. Don't just pray. Do pray. Pray the scripture and pray for one another and for yourself. But praise as well. Adore God. Worship him. Think of some things to thank him for. So those are the two prompts for my young kids right now. All right, what are you thankful for? God, thank you for my mom and dad. And, uh, and what do you need help with? Have you been disciplined for anything today that you might need help with? Uh, help me not to push my brother. You know, just go through. Help them pray. Give them words to say. Um, relate it to what you read. I already said that. Teach them to have a conversation with God through the Bible. <clears throat> so Philippians, clear instructions there. Uh, James, confess your faults to one another. Example, forgiveness as well. And both giving and needing forgiveness. We're not going to be perfect parents. We're not going to do this perfectly. But we point to the one who is perfect. <laughs> Prayers do stuff. God works through our prayers. God is so powerful. He's not just powerful, he's good. He wants us to talk to him and come to him in prayer. The other element, sing. Oh man, do I really have to sing? Yeah, definitely sing. Definitely sing. Um, I, I enjoy singing. This is not something I did growing up at home, but there's just this pattern of read, pray, sing throughout the Bible uh, and, and throughout church history. Um, <clears throat> I believe it was Matthew Henry who said something along the lines of uh, praying is good, praying and reading the Bible is better, but praying, reading, and singing together, oh, that's the best. And so <clears throat> as you read, pray, and sing, you know, we set this pattern for them of responding to God in song. There's all kinds of scripture we could turn to, but Colossians says, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms. We have 150 songs given to us right in the Bible. Uh, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It doesn't have to be pretty. You don't have to learn guitar. You just need to make a joyful noise and raise your, raise your voice in song. Teach your kids to be singers. Please, I lead worship here for the children's ministry. Some of them are singers. Some of them are confused. They don't know what is the song thing we do at church. Guess what? If you read, pray, and sing at home, where's the other place where you do those things? At church. Man, I've seen some rocky transitions from the parent into the classroom. Uh, but if at church, what you do at church is being modeled in the home, hey, we worship God. We read, pray, and we sing. Guess what? At church, you're just going to do that and do the same thing with different people. 
and it will make church so much easier and more enjoyable for your kids because it's just part of what they're already doing. Uh, it's just with a different group of people, and, uh, and it really helps with those transitions, man. I've, I have peeled, peeled some screamers and kickers away from parents, uh, and sometimes that's going to happen regardless, but we set a pattern for these things at home, and then we just do the same thing at church. Matthew Henry said that, um, an old preacher, he said that uh, turn your families into little churches. That's what it should be like. And church isn't just, we don't go to worship God once a week. No, it's part of what we do. We are worshipers. It's part of how we identify as a family. We give God's word priority. We talk to him and we sing to him. Make it in the car. Turn on worship songs. I I have a balance here. My kids are toddlers, so I'll turn on like goofy little toddler songs where they just lose their minds. And then if I feel it's becoming a little imbalanced, (laughs) I I turn on some worship music. Uh, Sometimes I just just turn on our our worship from a Sunday morning, and I just want to familiarize themselves with with the songs that we sing in the sanctuary so that when they do hear the songs here, they know the words, and they're familiar. And and not only does that enrich them with theological truth and and hearts that are full of good things towards God and Scripture and all these things, but it it sets a pattern for them to step into that makes it a little easier for them once they're at church. So the pattern in the Bible have been set for us, and and that's what it looks like in the home. Um, Read, pray, and sing. Read, pray, sing. The earliest records of Christian families and worship include a pattern of reading, praying, and singing. Um, it's definitely going to be awkward, especially the singing part, but I would urge you to press on uh, and, and see what God does. You know, enter into his presence with singing, into his courts with praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. Song is an eternal part of what we do, a little gift here on earth that we will continue on doing in heaven. And, uh, and when we sing, guess what, kids? We're also going to sing in heaven. There's a lot of things that aren't going to be in heaven, but guess what? We're still going to sing. We're going to worship the God of wonders. Uh, and so... Let your kids sing. You don't got to get all like him like if they're like four years old. You know, just a little B-I-B-L-E here and there. A little Jesus loves me. It's all good. Start small. Um, every night, my family and I, we, we sing the doxology and, uh, and just praise God. And then my kids try to sneak in another song before I say it's time to go to their beds now. And they'll be like, the B-I-B-L-E. And just uh, prolong bedtime as much as possible. More song. More song. No. Go to bed. So what does that look like? Let me make sure I'm not skipping anything. <clears throat> what that looks like for everyone is going to be different. And, and, you know, just have one song. Work on one song for a week. Maybe sing it at the dinner table. Maybe you sing it before bed. Just repeat a chorus over and over. It doesn't matter what you do, but begin to sing with your kids. You don't need to be a singer. We're all worshipers. Make a joyful noise. A joyful noise. Some, some of those noises are going to be more beautiful than others. All good. <laughs> just do it. Show your kids it's important. It's what we're called to. God's people are singers. So what does that look like for me? What that looks like for me is, has been different. You know, you have to choose a time that works for you. So for me, it looks like at mealtimes, Bruce brings me a Bible. I read through a passage. We did the Gospels. Now we're going through the narrative Genesis. And at bedtimes, there's an expectation after they're in pajamas, after they've gone to the bathroom and brushed their teeth, uh, that we're going to sit together. Bruce has the explorers, uh, the beginner's Bible that he's going through, and Chris is going through the big picture interactive Bible. Uh, and this is great. It has, connects everything to Christ. It's a little more of a translation than a paraphrase like the beginner's Bible. But again, you're just familiarizing them, them with the characters and the concepts and the stories of Scripture. Uh, so they each have their own Bible time, and then we all pray together, and then we sing and uh, go to bed. 
And that's the pattern every night. And anyone who comes into our home is, uh, steps into that pattern. That's what was patterned for me. My dad taught me to pray. He read scripture with us every night. Um, some people a mealtime this works for. Other times that's like absolute chaos. Some people mornings work good. Evenings work good. You just got to do what works for you. But you should, you should carve out a time. We are, we are given um, a call to do that. Again, uh, Matthew Henry said, turn your families into little churches. Should be fun. Uh, other possible additions could be Bible memorization. You could be like, totally, man, Chris does all these things. I don't. Uh, man, I was, my son Chris, my firstborn, he was two years old, and we were reading him this book every night that is essentially the song, Jesus Loves Me. You just sing through it. And then uh, on the back, there was a memory verse. And it's like something like, praise be to the Lord who daily bears our burdens, Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen, or whatever it is. And, uh, and we would read it every single night. And then as a little two-year-old, he started saying it with us at the end. And I was like, you little stinker, you just memorized that verse. It only took like 50 times, but you got it down. And here's a little two-year-old who's like spitting out scripture. And, and so like they are totally capable of memorizing God's word if you set aside time to do it. Um, we've had seasons of our life where we've given this more of a priority than others. Sometimes we do catechisms, but man, Bible memory is just great. And, and my two-year-old Bruce, he knows in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He knows he, there's a creator, there's a beginning, that uh, he's part of God's good creation, and uh, all from just Bible memorization. So begin, um, give them the opportunity to blow your minds with how much they can take in as a kid and memorize. Catechisms, isn't that a Catholic thing? No, it's not. Uh, it, it became popular during the Reformation, but it's really just a, a teaching. It just means to teach using a question and answer format. And so catechisms is just you, you ask a question, who is God? And they give a response. God is the creator of everyone and everything. And uh, for the ones that I use, and there's several different ones you could use, there's always a Bible verse associated with them that that truth springs from. And for what, what we use, New City Catechism, there's a devotion attached and a prayer attached as well that we don't really use. We just look at the, I read the scripture to them. I do the question and answer with them. And then New City Catechism, which I have here on the table and is free online and on an app, uh, that has songs that go with it as well. And it's 52, one a week, gets you through the whole year. And what that does for them through these question and answers is it introduces them to who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, Jesus, what is sin, what are the commandments. And it just goes through and it lays out redemption, just all of the kind of theological things that um, might not come from you just reading verse by verse through Scripture right away. And as they read scriptures then, hopefully as, as they become older, they already have this skeleton, this framework in their brains that they're making connections and connecting things through. Again, they don't know what salvation means per se, but if you're giving them words and definitions and a vocabulary, eventually it's all just going to click. It's, it's going to make total sense to them eventually. So I take time to, uh, to do that with my kids. Um, a lot of times that looks like in the morning I'll take my phone out and just play the catechism songs after I go over it with them. Uh, and the school does it here as well. You can see the posters in the hallway. Bible memorization, catechisms, some do's and don'ts. The other day I sat down with my wife and I said, all right, what are some good do's and don'ts from all our long years of parenting? And uh, this is what we came up with. <clears throat> Definitely do start. Do it. <laughs> uh, get started. Um, if you haven't, it's not too late. Kids are teenagers. doesn't matter. Uh, apologize and ask forgiveness for the lack of priority God's word has taken in your home and say, but we're going to do this now. We're a family who worships God. And that might not be your heart, but guess what? I'm the head of the home and you're going to do it with me. So sit down and uh, let's do this thing. 
do start. Don't make excuses not to. You can start today. Do ask for God's help. Things are going to get weird real quick. Guarantee you. Guarantee you that. (laughs) There's an enemy that wages war against our souls and hates our kids and does everything he can to indoctrinate our kids and draw their hearts away from the Lord and make him out to be boring and dull. And, but don't let that happen. Ask for God's help. Go forward in his strength and give it to him and see what he does. It's going to blow your minds. Ask for his help. Don't do it in your own strength. Choose a time that works. Super important. Uh, all kids are different. You're different. My kids are up at 6, 6.30 in the morning, uh, and it is a sprint to get out the door for work. You know, like throw them in some clothes, make sure they go to the bathroom, shove some food down, and we're out, man. <laughs> There's like not room for much. It's moving. Make sure I get my coffee in. Uh, so our, our time is, is evenings, uh, mealtime. We're all together. We have dinner together. And, um, and bedtimes is usually the guarantee, even if we skip at mealtimes. So bedtimes, it's always going down. Sometimes my wife's there doing it if I'm here at work or whatever the case is, but it's, it's a pattern. It's, it's an expectation that they have. Aren't we going to do Bible, Dad? Yes. Yeah, we'll do Bible. Just having a rough day. You're like, just go to bed. <clears throat> Be consistent. Uh, I would say aim for the majority of the week. Four days out of seven, go for it, man. You don't got to be perfect. Just set a regular pattern. Um, we try to do it every day. Sometimes it falls by the wayside. Sometimes we're out at somebody's house until late. Other things happen. But make it consistent. Don't be so infrequent that it falls by the wayside, but be consistent. Be regular. Keep it simple. Hey, you don't need a, you don't need a degree. There's not like a parenting degree thing that you have to go through. Um, you don't need to know Greek and Hebrew. You don't need to even study ahead of time. You can read ahead if you want. Uh, but a lot of times I'm just opening up scripture and I'm just, I'm just interacting with whatever's in front of me. Uh, Damien Kyle said this, so I can say it. You, you, you don't really have to be smart at all to do this. He goes verse by verse, he says, because he's dumb. And uh, you just don't have to think about what's next, what, where should I go, what topic should I hit. No, you just open up the Bible, there's where we left off. All right, we'll keep going from there. That's pretty easy. And that's pretty much, for the most part, what we do. We did that with the Gospels. We're doing it through Genesis now. I can guarantee you there's some parts of Genesis that I'm not going to hit, but you just need some wisdom and discretion there as you go. Um, just keep going wherever you left off. Don't, don't just randomly, all right, Lord, where are we at tonight? Song of Solomon, Lord, help us. What just happened? Um, so <clears throat> you just got to have a plan. Do keep it simple. You don't have to go wild. Persevere. Things are going to get super weird. Super weird. Kid's going to start losing his mind, dropping his food, choking on whatever's in his mouth, screaming at each other, poking each other. Uh, my 10-month-old my has this like, ear-piercing, glass-shattering scream that just bursts out, uh, that just has the strength of a, of a thousand-something. And, um, and he does it whenever there's not a speck of food on his tray. Last piece goes in, swallow, blah! And it just like will ruin you. It'll ruin you. It'll throw you off the rails. But you just got to keep going. Um, things are going to, you know, you start opening up the scripture. I got to use the bathroom, Dad. No, you don't. No, you were good two seconds ago. You don't need to. My wife would look at me. Fine, go. You're two. I forgot. Come back and we'll start again. Persevere. Read from your Bible, even if you do use devotionals. Devotionals are fine. Fine. If you're, if you're not confident, especially, like if, you, if you're like, I'm not even sure like how to interact with passages of Scripture like this that would be helpful for my family, devotionals can be super useful, give you some engaging questions for different age levels and things like that, some activity ideas or whatever the case may be. Um, but even if you do use devotionals, do open up your Bible and read the passage from your Bible. Show the kids that the Bible takes priority. And make adjustments as you go. This is going to be so different for all seasons of life. 
your lives are much different than mine. You have older kids, whatever the case is. Sometimes your kids are going to be reading the Bible. The, the interactions will be different. Sometimes conversations will be going. Sometimes it'll be dead quiet, and you're just like, it's, it's a war just to get through. Um, but be faithful to do it. Super important. Some don'ts. Don't delay. Again, start now. Uh, don't give up or be discouraged. If either you haven't been doing this or you step in and it's super weird and you find yourself singing a solo and it sounds awful, just keep singing. They'll catch on. All good. Uh, I would say don't use your phone or tablet as your Bible. Again, I said I, I use my phone. I got the catechisms on there. I'll play the songs on my phone. All good. But for Bible time, show them the Bible. Teach them to fall in love with the book that is the Bible. There's a lot of other stuff on my phone. There's not a lot of other stuff in here. And so they see you on your phone doing all kinds of things, texting, calling, and if God's Word is in the same level and category as all the other stuff that you do on your phone, that's not teaching them to highly esteem God's Word and treasure it for the thing that it is. So God gave us a book. Surround your kids with books. Bring them to the library. We, we've prayed since they were long, young, Lord, help them to love reading, love books. And so there's a lot of books in our house, and, and they, they read books because God gave us a book. He didn't give us a movie and give us anything like that. So show them and teach them to love the book that is God's word. Don't be overly ambitious. Be like, all right, we're going to go home. We'll have an hour of family worship. We'll sing five worship songs right off the bat, and then I will do a study. That will take 20 minutes, and then the rest of the time will be spent in prayer, and no one will say a word. You will all behave. You will all pay close attention and give me a full report at the end. That's not what we're going for. Start with five minutes, how about? <laughs> Maybe you'll make it to two. It's all good. Just start. Um, and, and it's going to look different for everybody. Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Uh, some nights are going to be different than others. Just be flexible. Uh, and don't be overly ambitious and discouraged when, uh, you know, you shout for the stars and, like, you hit and stubbed your toe on something. Um, so don't be afraid of questions. Uh, what if they ask, what is adultery? Uh, well, um, Depends on how old they are. <laughs> uh, what if they ask, what is circumcision? Uh, well, these words are going to come up in the Bible. I've had a lot of practice, and my boys are tiny, so I usually translate on the spot and uh, change it into another word. Um, so, you know, the lady comes in John chapter 8, who's dragged in front of Jesus for committing adultery, caught in the act. I say, oh, uh, and she was caught breaking the law, boys. And uh, they want to know, what does Jesus have to say about that? Uh, and so you just change it based on where they're at. Um, and if you do read it, all good. Guess what? They're kids, and it's going to be fine. God's Word. Um, it brings about good conversations, especially as the kids are older. We shouldn't shy away from the things that God gives us in His Word. Mistakes that people made, how messed up people's lives were. Um, again, a lot of the conversations that we have regarding gender, uh, sexuality, all of these things, they naturally just come to us as we read God's Word faithfully. <laughs> Um, so <clears throat> be encouraged and let those conversations happen. Don't shy away from them because they're already having the conversations if they're old enough and they're already being shown all kinds of things that you don't know about um, and that are drawing their hearts away from the Lord. And so put those things and those categories and those conversations in a biblical worldview and format, things that God can work with so that when lies come their way, they can shoot them down with the truth or at least be unsettled and know what's true. <laughs> Additional resources. In terms of family devos, there are devotionals that the pastoral staff has written. They're online. We have a family resources webpage, ccphilly.org. And uh, we also wrote several that are uh, from our year of COVID as well that are on there. If you need some helps or some ideas or some wordings with questions and things like that. I would urge you all to pick up in the bookstore Family Worship by Mr. Whitney. Super short, which makes it amazing for me in this season of my life. 
and super rich and valuable. He just goes through the biblical pattern, read, pray, sing. Here's what's happened in church history. Here's what it will look like. What if you're not? What if you have a spouse who's not saved? What if you're a single parent? What if your kids are older and you're just getting started? What? And he kind of goes through and he just enriches everything and says it in a really succinct and uh, and and great way. It's an easy read, super useful, and the entire pastor pastoral staff recommends it. The next level from there, I would say, is family discipleship by Chandler. And, uh, and Griffin. And this is more so the Deuteronomy 6 thing. How are we going to take advantage of all throughout the day, all the moments, the conversation in the car, you know, all these different things, the milestones in a child's life, and make them meaningful and really give our kids, foster an environment of spiritual growth throughout our entire day with our kids, as opposed to just one moment. So family discipleship is work, is great for that. And again, it's short. Kids' Bibles are great. The Beginner's Bible, this is what we use for our two- and three-year-olds, what I've used with my kids since they were tiny, um, and just introduces them. Jesus' Storybook Bible, very great as well. has about 40 scriptural stories, ties it all into Jesus Christ. And, and David was a great hero, and he killed this terrible enemy. But a greater hero was coming. He was going to face an even bigger enemy. And he just ties it all into uh, Jesus and, and what he has done. NIRV, again, this is what I read. It's written at a third grade reading level. It's great just to go through. Uh, this is what I read at the dinner time with my kids. And as they get a little bit older, uh, New King James, ESV, all good, um, you know, and, and helpful for them just to open up God's Word and, and start reading those things. So New City Catechism, great online, free, also in the bookstore if you want, and, uh, and lots of more resources. Just go talk to Dan in the bookstore. He'll, he'll blow your mind. They've done a really good job in our bookstore with the kids section. It has grown exponentially in the past couple of years. It's really cool. <clears throat> and of course, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. This is the goal. This is what we're trying to allow God to make happen. This is the desire of all of our hearts, that he would do these things in us and through us. So parenting is a stewardship. Kids are a gift from the Lord. It's not required of parents that they be perfect, just that they be faithful with the kids that they've been put into. And so how are you being faithful? How aren't you being faithful? I ask that of myself all the time. What can I do differently? How can I, how can I direct their hearts to the Lord? Is there anything I need to ask forgiveness for? What can I do more for, during our times of family worship? That would, do I need to introduce a different song? Do I need to go somewhere else in scripture? Do I need to address this thing that happened in school today and, and break from our verse by verse thing that we normally do? Um, so be examples of all of these things. Uh, you know, my dad exampled this so well. And, uh, and one night he had put us to bed after praying and reading the Bible. I was scared. Uh, I was probably seven or eight years old. Went downstairs because parents help with fear. And, uh, and I heard this voice coming from my parents' bedroom door, which was cracked open. And as I got closer, I heard that was my father's voice. And as I got closer, I heard my dad praying and saw him kneeling at his bedside. And he was praying for me in that moment. And I was suddenly flooded with, oh, it's all good. I'm going to be all right. Totally, the Lord just bless me. I went upstairs, crashed. But my, my parents exampled this for me day in and day out through all the hardships, all the deaths, all the, the things that happened. And that's the most important thing. Get them together, provide God room to move and example this for our kids. Because if it's not important to you, it's never going to be important to them uh, apart from an amazing work of the Holy Spirit.